Hello everyone, this is Word with Dr. Michael David Clay. Okay, I'm not a medical doctor. (laughs) My doctorate is in counseling psychology. But, (laughs) sometimes I find myself in a position or role that supports what what really separates medical doctors from doctorates in counseling psychology. And that is they know far more about the human body and the physiology upon which all psychological operations are based. You have no psychology if you don't have physiology. And medical doctors and other specialties along that line lines are very, very much more so specialized in the physiology than I could ever imagine myself to be, purport myself to be. I had some physiological psychology classes, drug and behavior classes, those type of courses, <laughs> undergraduate, graduate, and postdoctorate studies. But at the same time, I need to make that, if you haven't already figured it out, disclaimer, I am not a medical doctor. <laughs> My doctorate is in counseling psychology. But I am in a position, again, of supporting Uh, the physiology, health and wellness in general. I work very closely with psychiatry and psychiatrists who are medical doctors, who, by the way, can also do, sometimes they do, psychotherapy. But just like (laughs) psychological counselors, they too diagnose mental illness or disorder. But... I ask all of my patients very important questions about their physical health, not because I'm a medical doctor, but because I need to remind them (laughs) all psychology is predicate upon healthy, adaptive, psychological sort of constructs, ideas, practices, behaviors. (laughs) The opposite of mental illness, mind health, It's predicate upon physical health. And with that, then they should consult with their physician to make sure they have at least routinely and regularly a physical checkup. Should they know of any medical conditions that is well managed and maintained. And that in the end, they may indeed need some psychiatric care, particular medicines we call psychotropics, which might then address... More specifically, those conditions and disorders that in psychotherapy or psychological context or terms I treat, why would I not want that cooperation? Not only from the patient, but I'd want them to have the best physical health. I'd want their biochemistry to be as well balanced as possible so I could get as much (laughs) headway make as much headway, assist my patients in uh, whatever their desired outcome would be, but just simply to do the best we can to alleviate such conditions as anxiety and depression. Psychology Today, September, October 2023.
in the health supplemental science section, anxiety, a metabolic disorder, and that is with a question mark. The most basic symptoms may relate to energy use, and the most direct treatment may be a dietary by Hara Ostroff Murano. Much as anxiety commandeers thought processes, jump-starting bouts of worry, demanding hypervigilance, imposing a sense of danger, it is a physiological state, a response to detection of threats somewhere in the environment, uncomfortable enough to keep people on the knife edge of arousal, prepared for the ancient imperative fight or flee. Sure, Diagnosis, as it's currently constituted, relies on symptoms from the neck up. But it is biological processes affecting every cell in the body that drive anxiety disorders. Now the most prevalent psychiatric condition in the U.S. As sensors monitor the internal, a process called interoception, and external environment, the amygdala flags potentially threatening stimuli such as the rustle of a snake, a knot in the stomach, the angry demeanor of a stranger, and puts the whole body on alert. It rivets attention to whatever stimulus set it off and activates the body to defend itself. The amygdala instantaneously signals a hypothalamus, which prompts the adrenal glands to release adrenaline. Breathing or breathing quickens and heart rate rises to rush oxygen to muscles so that you can take action as needed. But adrenaline does much more. It alerts body metabolism to underwrite action. It triggers the release of glucose and fats from storage sites in the body. The nutrients pour into the bloodstream delivering fuel to all the cells in the body. At the same time, the hypothalamus orders the adrenals to release the steroid hormone cortisol, which stimulates fat and carbohydrate metabolism to provide an ongoing source of energy. Repeated activation of the stress response takes a toll on body and brain. Anxiety is one result. The mind stuck in a state of apprehension as worry caroms or caroms through the body, impairing and even impeding the ability to function. Contemporary medicine puts the mental symptoms of anxiety in the big tent and deems it a psychiatric disorder, prescribing psychoactive treatments, psychotherapy, and neuroactive medications. But there is another view emerging, that anxiety is essentially a physical state and that its roots are metabolic. It's a reflection of a problem of the body's energy regulation. Neuroscientist Lisa Feldman Barrett, for example, insists that anxiety is a metabolic illness. Energy regulation is critical is a critical factor in mind and behavior, she states in the 2022 Annual Review of Clinical Psychology. 
thinking is not the brain's highest purpose, energy regulation is. In her view, the brain is a prediction machine and, in coordinating all the symptoms of the body, one of its primary tasks is to anticipate and manage energy requirements in an ever-changing but only partly predictable world. That rustling you heard, based on past experience and acquired information, scary movies have their instructive value, Your brain predicted it was a snake. That guess set off a response favoring your survival. The shot of adrenaline enabled you to jump out of harm's way. Unpredictable environments impose metabolic costs. Uncertainty gives rise to a state of unpleasant Physiologic arousal, what most people, particularly those raised in Western cultures, label anxiety, Feldman Barrett says, illustrating a key tenet of her theory of constructed emotion. Addressing the metabolic disruption through metabolic means is gaining scientific steam as a way to treat anxiety. Evidence is accruing that neurobiological mechanisms linked to mental disturbances can be modulated by diet, and a growing number of researchers and clinicians are testing and prescribing dietary interventions, including the use of nutritional supplements as standalone or auxiliary approaches to mental disorders. In a paper she co-authored in Frontiers in Psychiatry, Harvard psychiatrist Umadeva Umadev Neudu points out that among the most basic metabolic disturbances underlying neurological conditions and mental illnesses are oxidative stress, insulin resistance, inflammation, and microbiome Microbiome dysbiosis, the two-way channel of communication known as the gut-brain axis, in particular provides a major pathway for metabolic activity to influence mental health. One of the most significant ways the gut can influence the neural mechanisms of anxiety centers on the amygdala instigator of the threat response. It is hyperactive in anxiety disorders. People with anxiety tend to have low levels of the gut bacteria that produce short-chain fatty acids, or SCFAs, which influence amygdala activity. Produced in the lower intestines by gut bacteria feasting on fiber-rich foods, SCFAs promote mental health by regulating gene expression and stimulating neuroplasticity plasticity, plasticity in the brain. They are also metabolic protagonists. The SCFA Acetate, for example, inhibits neurochemicals in the hypothalamus that increase appetite and decrease metabolism. The SCFA B 
butyrate affects the metabolism of fats and the actions of several hunger-related hormones that bind to receptors on the amygdala, influencing the stress response and anxiety. Now, I do, or Naodu, points to nutritional strategies that target metabolic mechanisms in anxiety. High on the list of nutrients to consume are omega-3 fatty acids found in fatty fish. Salmon is good, she says, but roe fish or fish roe and krill oil may even may be even better. Amount is important. Doses lower than 2 grams per day tended to not be effective. The spice turmeric with its active ingredient, curcumin, is another dietary component with proven anti-anxiety effects. It balances the gut microbiome ecosystem, decreases inflammation, affects neurohormone levels, and influences gene expression in the brain. Vitamin D is widely active in the brain, and levels of of the vitamin are low in those with anxiety. Clinical studies link vitamin D supplementation with improvement in anxiety symptoms, but only in those with deficiency or insufficiency of the vitamin. That, however, encompasses a large number of people. At least one in four adults in the U.S. has a low vitamin D level. In the future, Naodu or Naodu speculates high-fat, low-carbohydrate, ketogenic diets may be used to help cortisol anxiety, or excuse me, to control anxiety. They shift brain metabolism from glucose to more efficient ketones as a source of fuel. One major consequence is reduced oxidative stress. The fuel shift also influences neurotransmitter function and inflammatory processes. (laughs) Again, Psychology Today, September, October 2023, In the health supplemental science section, anxiety, a metabolic disorder, the most basic symptoms may relate to energy use, and the most direct treatment may be dietary by Hara Estroff Murano. You can tell, (laughs) I'm not a medical doctor, nor am I a physiologist. I read the words, at least mentally so, fairly well, but when they start to come out of my mouth, I stumble over some of the pronunciations. I apologize. Perhaps if I used them more frequently, which I am not, thankfully so, needed, it's not needed that I do, I might get a little bit more capable at uh, properly pronunciating. But the point is clear. There's another option besides psychological counseling or even psychotropic medications, and that would be diet. It would fall in that same general category and sort of common sense dimension or term of health and wellness. 
And it would then also just go ahead and validate even more the need for us to realize psychology is a construct. And I think that the article does not speak of it in that particular, with that particular sort of slant. It does say the same thing. It's all about energy metabolism. And energy metabolism, it's all about survival. Psychology is then just another way of managing energy. It is more conscious. It is more directed. It should be, in some ways, then cooperative with all of these natural organic processes or dynamics that the article speaks to and addresses when it comes to metabolism, the turning on, so to speak, and turning off, so to speak, of various bodily systems, the homeostatic response, cumulative composite, the on and off also then would speak to just the arousal and then the rest sort of cycling, more mental health, once again, psychiatric, medicine sort of oriented uh, perspectives would then say the biochemical basis of possibly all nervous, mental, mind disorder, psychiatric condition is the balancing act. The one on and the other off and the concerted effort that the homeostatic response represents uh, manages to the proper balancing of not only internal but external states and then the interplay between the two. You can do some regulation of that consciously. Your body does it much more automatically But you can influence, as in once more, cooperation. And whether that is, oh, I am understanding it, which is possibly a good bit of psychological counseling. Why I'm reacting the way I am, analysis, unpacking it, comprehending, (laughs) higher-ordered rational thinking, um... Yes, it is legitimately a threat. No, it isn't. If it is, then the body at least has called my awareness to it and I need to do something about it. What is it I need to do about it? It has to be, once again, in concert with bodily operations and what I am capable of in physiological terms. It's a nice dance. It's a relationship between conscious awareness and those things that once more, are so much automatic or autonomic, sympathetic, parasympathetic sort of operations in concert. And the psychology just enhances, adds too. But it can also corrupt. And if you've made wrong associations or if you've somehow inadvertently, unintentionally connected things that aren't connected... And superstitiously then, sort of learned something that really does not necessarily connect except in your own mind, or with some measure of hypervigilance, 
it's happened before and it's left such a profound impact, significant impact, that anytime anything close to that, you get in that neighborhood, any neighborhood close to that, in the neighborhood close to that, you're going to have then the inclination in learning to possibly offer up an answer that really isn't required. Not everything is going to kill you, nor do you have to look in this most extreme state or one of the possible extreme states it could lead to. You don't have to be on guard about everything. You can relax. You can have fun. You can enjoy life. Not to the dismissal of then there will be continued occasions when things must be and should be seen in those terms, but not all occasions. Psychological counseling helps you to see that most clearly, to understand the proper correlations and connections, not spuriously, not in any sort of way uh, superstitiously connecting things, but legitimately seeing it as in cause-effect, and therein learning, and therein facilitating not only the quality of your life, but the quantity of your life. But who would have thought just eating well, which really doesn't require much conscious effort except to undo some really bad patterns or habits that you've acquired over your lifetime. Maybe someone never taught you good nutrition. Maybe they taught you good nutrition, but you still preferred those things that seemingly, in an immediate gratification sort of way, tasted better. Maybe you liked the sugar. <laughs> Maybe you liked too much the wrong sort of foods, high fat. Maybe you liked too much carbs. Maybe you didn't like fish. Maybe you don't, maybe just because of where you live, there wasn't a readily supply, there is not a ready supply, or readily is a supply of vitamin D. You may have to think about that a bit and make some corrections, but the conscious awareness, even that you are what you eat, and have we not heard that before, that applies. It does not have to be so high-minded. It does not have to have all this medical jargon attached to it. It does not even have to have all the psychological jargon attached to it. You do not have to have a medical, a doctorate in medicine, a medical doctorate. You do not have to have a doctorate in counseling psychology. You just have to (laughs) allow your body and with that to kind of guide and lead, but with that, some common sense and Occasionally read some, (laughs) keep current on some newer findings or as we refine our understanding of the interplay between environment external and environment internal. And as the world evolves and changes, you have to keep up with (laughs) all the new demands. That's adaptability. But it does not require, as they used to say, you to be a rocket scientist. To understand these things. It may indeed only require someone such as what we're doing right now to call your attention to it. And were it not for psychology today and my current edition and the author, (laughs) 
Para Astraf Murano, to even put it in the health supplemental science section, I might not have even thought to remind you. But I have. (laughs) Psychology did. And maybe that's what also a good measure of psychological counseling is about. Sharing data. Increasing awareness. Calling your conscious attention to. The fact that if you don't feed your body the nutrients it needs, and that that has been somewhat calibrated in really amazingly so intricate detail, and for it to continue to be then of great benefit, as we're trying to call your awareness to, you may have to occasionally consider when you're getting off the path a bit or when your body's letting you know with anxiety as a symptom, (laughs) you're burning too much energy. You're wasting your energy on things that otherwise, and compromising your health along the way. Cortisol is as much it is functional and with that fight or flight, hypervigilance, awareness, a potential threat, it will eventually, as the article points out, wear your body out, the stress hormone. You can't live off of adrenaline all the time without it compromising your autoimmune and your immunological health, even to the extent it may result in not only additional disease, but what you have may be progressively inclined to worsen, at a much faster rate and to a a worsening degree. Uh, But in the end, it may cost you years off your life. You may turn to other things to try to shut that down. That would not be good for you. Your body, again, amazingly so, is intricately balanced. We should listen to our bodies now and then. But that's the purpose of the podcast, and that's the purpose of Psychology Today. And should you come in, that will be what I will share with you. Even though I'm not a medical doctor and I do not practice psychiatry, I am quite capable of sharing general information in a general sort of way. And therein, again, should we need it, recommending that you stay in pretty good, close contact with your primary care specialists. Nurse practitioners, general practice physicians, and on occasions, would it be that you would need a specialist, even so a psychiatrist, why would we not send you there and say, well, let's always just remember there is physiology that must be rightly maintained, health, wellness, maintenance, in order for there to be psychology, or the psychology that the human body also therein operates off of or from, in order for it to function adaptively, it won't do that if you don't take care of the physiology. It's very dependent upon the physical operations. That is all right to say. And I'm hopeful that whoever you speak to will remind you of that and see it in that most comprehensive, a holistic of health sort of ways. So what we try to do on the podcast. Psychology Today has a directory of providers. Should you want to speak to someone, 
such as myself. You can find them there with numbers and uh, with that too. Whether you want to stay close to home or do more telehealth sort of work, even if you are close to home, don't want to get out of your house or have to go through the hassle of coming into an office, telehealth, you'll find both. Providers who will offer that service in person as well as virtually. Uh, you can also contact us should you want to, 304-523-WORD-9673. DRMDClay at thewordhouse.com. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube at The Word House. Uh, and you can always join us for our next edition of Word with Dr. Michael David Clay. And I would want to close with once more reminding you, take care of your health. I would not only want to remind you, I'd want to wish you the best of not only good mind health, but also good health and wellness, physical health. And until we get a chance to talk again. Thanks. Thanks.